Hello, my name is Ed Frawley, and today we're going to talk about how to break up a dogfight without getting bit. Breaking up a dogfight can be a very dangerous thing to try and do. It certainly is not something for the faint of heart, yet many people, for one reason or another, are forced into having to deal with a dogfight, many times on their own. Over the past 45 years of owning and training dogs, I've had and been involved in my share of dogfights and having to break them up. I've been very lucky. I've never been badly bit. But with that said, I get emails all the time from people who have made mistakes and taken trips to the hospital because they got bit by their own dogs when they tried to break up a dogfight. This podcast We'll examine the various methods of how to break up dogfights. I will also give you some ideas on determining if you should even attempt to break up a dogfight. Stepping in and trying to break up a fight is a personal decision that only you can make, and some people should never attempt it at all. This podcast will touch on ideas to prevent dogfights, but I must say that This prevention is a topic that could take up an entire book, but I'll give you some ideas here anyway. Several weeks ago, I got an email from a family who owned four dogs, two pit bulls, a male and a female, an adult male boxer, and an adult Jack Russell Terrier. These dogs were between three and a half and six years old and had lived together loose in the house for their entire lives. The family came home one day to find the boxer dead in the kitchen. Its throat had literally been ripped out of its chest. The Jack Russell Terrier wasn't hurt and had no blood on it. I can almost guarantee you that had this family been home when the fight occurred, they would not have been able to break it up. In fact, the odds are that a professional dog trainer would have a hard time breaking up a pack that's fighting. A serious dogfight is a dangerous event. It's loud, it's violent, and it's scary. It's dangerous for the dogs that are fighting, and it's more dangerous for the owners who try and step in and break up the fight. There are many ways to break up a dogfight. Using hoses, throwing water on the dogs, dumping a bottle of whiskey down the dog's nose. That's one method that I got in an email, and the guy swore that it worked throwing pots and pans to make loud noises, using shock collars, cattle prods, breaker bars, stun guns, pepper gas, and fire extinguishers. These methods may work sometime, but they're not going to work all the time. For those people that are physically fit and properly trained, the methods that I'm going to explain will work 100% of the time. Before we get into breaking up the fight, let's take a minute and talk about if you should even try and break up the fight. I'll start with a warning. Unless you're in pretty good physical condition and have experience in training and handling dogs, don't try and break a dogfight up with the methods that I'm describing below. Some people may be forced to walk away from a dogfight. That's a hard and a difficult decision to make, but for some, it's the right decision. If you don't have enough training, you should not try and break up a dogfight. If there are more than two dogs in the fight, I don't recommend stepping in and trying to put your hands on any of the dogs. If you're not physically strong enough or athletic enough to manhandle one of these dogs, then don't get involved. Go back to throwing pans, using fire extinguishers, or some of these other methods. Just because you can handle your beloved Fido when you walk down the street with him, does not mean that you can handle him in the middle of a fight. Have you ever heard of people who can develop superhuman strength in an emergency, like picking a car up off of a child? Well, during a fight, Fido gets superhuman strength. I will guarantee you that every dog in a real dog fight feels like he or she is fighting for his life. No matter how scared you may be, You don't have the same frame of mind as your dog that's in the fight. He's in fight-or-flight syndrome. My advice is to use my information to motivate yourself to learn how to prevent dogfights rather than think, 
Now I'm going to lower my guard and let these dogs be together to see if they get along. Because Ed just explained how to handle myself in a dog fight. No, that's not what you should be doing. The most important rule in breaking up a dog fight is don't get hurt. I want to read to you an email that I recently got from a lady who got bit by a dog in a dog fight. It goes like this, Ed, about the dog fight details, I'll explain further. Basically, I had brought the daughter dog back to the house after she was in a kennel for an hour. I was at the grocery store. My mother had already left for a couple of days. When I brought the daughter in on the leash, she was so excited to be back in the house that she became very rambunctious and escaped my grip. I called her name because she ran over to her mother. They had a history of fighting and I didn't want the mother to become upset by her daughter's behavior. My mother told me that they were okay around each other, but as it turns out, that's not the case. The mother dog went to enforce a correction towards her daughter with a growl and a bite, and the daughter, not being a puppy anymore, fought back. It started in the kitchen, traveled through the family room, ended up in the master bedroom. During this time, I tried any distraction method that I could think of. Not really knowing any, I tossed treats at the dog. Well, that didn't work. I looked at the five-gallon water bottle I had just filled up at the store and decided to pour that on him. I don't think they even noticed it. I had no idea what to do. As I continued, the other stupid methods, such as throwing the treats, like that would work, and hitting them with other things. As I helplessly observed, my internal dialogue became, I'm really responsible for the things here while my mother is gone, and I can't have her coming home to two dead dogs or one dead dog. The mother dog was getting it pretty bad from her daughter, and I wanted to save her. At that point, I decided there was nothing else I could do but to try and, and pull them apart. Now, we're in the family room, and I decided to stand behind the mother and try and pull her away by the collar from the daughter that was biting her. This travels towards the master bedroom, and the dogs are on either side of the doorway. The daughter within the bedroom and the mother with me in the outside in the family room. I closed the door between them as much as I could and thought at one point I was finally going to be able to separate them, but it didn't work out that way. I held the door with one hand and continued to try and pull the mother away from the daughter. The daughter's grip was locked and strongly pulling. I could hear and feel the mother's neck beginning to tear. I couldn't hold the door any longer. The daughter's strength was just too much. I still foolishly continued to try and pull one dog away from the other as I stood some distance behind. I think I may have had one foot back for leverage when I felt the mother bite deeply through the calf of my leg, and I instantly fell to the floor. She did not release me right away. She shook my leg like a toy. I could feel the calf starting to tear, and I was afraid she was going to rip it completely off my leg. So I used my hands and arms to help lift myself off the floor, allowing me to travel along with the dogfight as it moved away from where we had gone down. Although I'm sure it happened very quickly, this went on for long enough for me to make the conscious decision to scream as loudly as I could that maybe the neighbors could hear me and call for help. I was by myself and didn't know what the outcome was going to be. I believe the mother thought she had a hold of the other dog at first because she didn't turn on me. I think she just grabbed a hold of the nearest object, and that was me. I don't blame her for this. By the grace of God, though, she released me, and I quickly crawled out of the room and shut the door behind me. I got to the phone and called 911. As I waited on the kitchen floor, I could hear the fight continuing behind the door. By the time help came, I heard nothing. I was sure one of them had been killed. Animal control came and dealt with the situation as I left in the ambulance for the hospital. At the hospital, I learned that both dogs were still alive, that they were able to get the mother to the vet, but they were not able to get control of the daughter, and they left her in the room at the house. By the time I was released from the hospital, my mother had returned from out of town. She stopped by the vets first, then picked me up at the hospital, and we went back to her house together, where she was able to evaluate and treat the daughter. Somewhat surprisingly, 
the daughter was okay and didn't require a trip to the vet. But what a mess in the house. I don't know the extent of all the injuries the mother sustained, but my mother said that the jugular was punctured and that she would require a couple of surgeries and would be in much pain for a long period of time. The dog was kept alive until the next morning when my mother decided to put it down after considering her condition and the way she was bit up. My mother took care of me for a couple of days until my husband could come and take me back home, which was three hours away. Well, that's a long story. But this is an example of someone that never should have got involved in a dogfight. Sometimes people think the most important thing to do when a fight breaks out is stop the dogfight before one of the dogs gets hurt. These people are wrong. The number one rule in dealing with dogfights is that the owners or the dog handlers don't get hurt trying to break the fight up. I cannot stress this enough. It only takes a few seconds for a dog to do a great deal of damage when it bites a human. So, how do you determine if you should consider breaking up a dogfight? If an owner is not physically strong enough to manhandle a dog, then he or she should never try breaking a dogfight up by getting in the middle of them and pulling them apart. To appreciate the physical effort that it would take for you to break up a dogfight, put a muzzle on your own dog, Go out in the backyard and pick up your dog's feet. Try and hold them up for a minute. Have someone time you. If you cannot do this when your dog is not fighting, then you're not going to be able to do this when you're in the middle of a wild dog fight and your dog is in fight or flight with super dog strength. As terrible as the fight is, these people need to try other methods or go for help. I've heard of using a fire extinguisher on fighting dogs, and I heard that it's effective. I've never tried it. Some have said that using a hose to spray right up in the nose is effective. I've not done that either, but it may work. Sometimes it will work. The perfect example of a fight that no one should attempt, though, is breaking a fight up that's involving three or four dogs. A wiser solution is to just do the things that are necessary to make sure that you never have to break up a dog fight. So what should you do when a fight starts? The second you see a dog fight break out, scream as loud as you can. Knock it off or I'll put my foot up your rear. This needs to sound like a pack leader threatening lower ranking pack members. It must sound like you mean it. There's a huge difference between a command and a request. Most new trainers fake it. They scream and they hope the dog minds. Breaking up a dog fight is no time to fake it. After making that announcement, you have to step back and see what happens. One of two things is going to happen. It, the fight is either going to quit or they're going to continue fighting. If they quit... Then, in a strong voice, tell the weakest dog to get the heck out of here. Your challenge here is to determine who the lowest ranking dog is. And you have to do a verbal warning to the lower ranking dog to leave the scene. If these dogs continue to fight, a bell needs to go off in your head because it's now game time. Step back, take a deep breath, collect your thoughts, and tell yourself... It's time to stay cool, to calm down, and to think about what I have to do. Most people panic, and they think, oh my God, this can't be happening to me. I just peed my pants, and I have to go to the bathroom so I can get myself out of this situation. Well, most of the time, you can't do that. So, have a little conversation in your head. The older I get, the more often I do this on a daily basis, so it comes normal to me. But with that said... Remind yourself that panic is only going to cause you to make mistakes and possibly get hurt. So no matter how violent, no matter how loud, no matter how much blood is on your kitchen floor, your goal is always the same, and that is don't get hurt. 
The second rule of the dogfight is never step in the middle of two loving pets that are fighting for their lives and try and grab their dog collars. To do so is an invitation to go to the local emergency room. Two dogs in the middle of a fight are in survival drive. That's the fight part of fight or flight. When you rush in and intervene in the fight, the dogs often don't even recognize you. Even if they're your own dogs, they don't recognize you. If they do see you at all, they have tunnel vision so severely that they don't recognize their loving owner. When you grab them, they react out of what I call a fight reflex. They'll strike at you without recognizing you. The last time that we had a serious dogfight at my kennel, which was about 1999, I had not done a good job training a particular new kennel employee how to break up a dogfight. Here's what happened. The wife of a friend came to the kennel with her daughter. She told my kennel staff that I said it was okay to go in my whelping rooms to show her little girl our puppies. I had never said anything like that. When she left my kennel, she did not properly latch the kennel gate. Later in the morning, one of my kennel staff wanted to take a second female out out of a different whelping room. The first female, who had just had the visitor, jumped against the poorly latched gate and escaped. This female was a dogfighter. She ran outside and attacked the other female that my kennel person had. The ensuing dogfight was vicious, as most female-on-female fights are. Before I could get there, my employee stepped into the fight and tried to grab both dog collars. He was badly bitten in the forearm and the hand. After this unfortunate incident, we developed a strict training program and protocol on what to do when there's a dog fight at our kennel. The safest way to break up a dog fight requires two people in reasonably good condition. Each person is responsible for one dog. He or she must grab the back legs of their dog and pick them up off the ground like the handles on a wheelbarrow. Once they have the legs up, both dogs are pulled apart. The instant the dogs come apart, the handlers start to turn in circles. They continue making circles, which forces the dogs to sidestep around in the front as they move around in the circles. This sidestepping stops the dog from curling around and under and biting the person that's holding his feet. It's important to know that just because you've pulled these dogs apart does not mean the fight is over. Far from it. If you let go and drop the feet, I guarantee you, you will immediately see the dogs re-engage. This is going to happen 99.999% of the time. But if you continue to turn in circles, the dog is forced to continue to sidestep with his front feet or it's going to fall on its face. The handler's job is to slowly continue to back away as he circles. When you do this correctly, the dog cannot do any damage to the person that's got a hold of his feet. It's common for dogs to lose their footing when this all happens and fall down. When that happens, don't let go. Just drag the dog to a safe place. The dog is certainly not going to get hurt just because you're dragging him to a kennel or just because you drag him to a different room. He may scream like a raped ape, but he's not getting hurt. The fact is, to ensure that the fight will not begin again, one of the dogs must be drug into an enclosure like a kennel or a garage or another room before it's released. If one person loses his grip and that dog then re-engages the second dog, the person that's holding the feet on the second dog should not release their dog. The first person just comes in and gets the feet again and the whole process starts all over again. Dog fights are dangerous enough when there's two people to break up the fight. When you're alone, it only gets worse. But with that said, this is not an impossible situation. If you are alone and a fight breaks out, there are a few things that you can do and that you must keep in mind. First, keep your cool because you have a job to do. Don't waste time screaming more than once. Go get a leash as the fight continues. 
After the fight begins, the dogs will almost always lock onto one another. When this happens, the two dogs create what I call a dog pile. The rolling and biting and pulling and fighting. Walk up to the pile and loop the leash around the back loin of one dog. Thread the leash through the handle of the leash or through the clip on the end of the leash. I find the handle works better. Now, slowly back away and drag the dog pile to a fence or to an object that you can tie your leash to. You can tie it around a doorknob and then close the door. By doing this, you effectively create an anchor for the dog pile and one of the dogs in the dog pile. Then, walk around and grab the back legs of the second dog. Drag it away from the first dog that's anchored to the tree or the door or whatever. Remember here, you still have to circle so the dog that you're pulling away can't turn and grip you. Drag the second dog into a dog pen or another room before you release his back legs. Then go back and take the first dog off the fence or off the tree and put it in a kennel. When that's all done, sit down and enjoy a real stiff drink or two. Let's talk for a minute about remote collars. Remote collars are best used to prevent dog fights rather than stop them after they've already started. A remote collar or a shock collar should never be used to try and break up a dog fight. When a dog gets shocked during the middle of a fight, it thinks the stimulation from the collar is coming from his opponent. The result is it fights harder. It doesn't stop fighting. Dogs can be trained, though, through the use of a remote collar to not even look at another dog, much less want to fight another dog. There is a protocol for this work, and it's covered in my DVD on remote collar training for the pet owners. Some people will carry cattle prods when they walk their dogs. If I lived in an area where I had stray dogs, I would carry a cattle prod, but I'd use it on the stray dog's before they even got close enough to engage my dog. I had a friend tell me that using a stun gun works to ward off stray dogs. Not to actually shock the dog, but just hold it out in your hand and allow it to snap. The sound of the electrical snap is supposed to cause the dogs to stop fighting. This may work with some dogs, but I certainly don't think it's a viable option for all dogs. Pitbull owners have used breaker bars for years. A breaker bar is a piece of hardwood that's used to pry the jaws of a dog apart when it's locked on to another dog. Breaker bars may work fine for some people who own fighting dogs, but they are not something that I recommend for the average pet owner that doesn't have a pit bull type dog. For one reason, many dogs that are not these fighting dogs don't lock on to another dog. They slash and bite and grip and let go and slash again. A breaker bar in that scenario just wouldn't work. I want to talk a little bit here about how to prevent dog fights when you're on walks. A dog that gets an hour of exercise every day is not going to have behavioral problems that a dog that lies around the house all day and does nothing. The best form of exercise is swimming, but obviously this cannot always happen. So walks and play are the most common ways people exercise their dogs. With that said, many communities have problems with stray dogs that run loose. Some of these dogs are off-leash with their owners. Others are not. I want to talk about how I approach the issue of stray dogs when I have my dog out for a walk. The first thing that needs to be done is to make sure that my dog respects me as the pack leader. Dogs that drag and pull their owners down the street don't look at the person at the other end of the leash as a higher ranking pack member. Every dog needs to learn to walk on a loose lead. When I say slow, they need to back off on leash pressure. This is accomplished with a prong collar or a dominant dog collar or a remote collar. I demonstrate this in detail in my four-hour DVD on basic dog obedience and my three-and-a-half-hour DVD on remote collar training for the pet owners. The fact is, if I give my dog a slow command and he doesn't back off on the leash, and I then pop him hard on a training collar, not a tug, but a pop, he's going to learn after four or five times that 
he had better back off when I say slow. Now, if my dog lights up and barks at the first sign of another dog, I calmly but firmly say no. I never allow my dog to verbally challenge every dog or even every person that it sees. If my no command is ignored and the dog does not shut up within a second, it gets a strong correction. If the dog then ignores the first correction, I give a second correction that's twice as hard. I want the second correction to be so hard that it puts the dog into avoidance. The dog must learn to respect my command of no. When it understands the consistency of my corrections, and that is that if it ignores no, it's going to get a very hard correction every time these dogs will pay attention. They're not stupid. This is black and white to them. And very importantly, correction is non-emotional. I don't get mad. I don't act mad. And I certainly don't praise the dog for not barking after the correction. I just go on because it's taken for granted that he has to mind me. I'm the pack leader. He cannot ignore me. You can read about the reasons why this is done this way in the article that I wrote, The Theory of Corrections in Dog Training. It's on my website. Now, once I have my dog's respect, then I can deal with stray dogs. As a pack leader, it's my job to protect lower-ranking members of the pack. That means when we're on walks and a stray dog comes up, it's my job to drive that dog off. I can either do this verbally by warning the stray to stay away or telling its owner to get control of their dog, or I can get physical. If I walk in an area that I know there are strays, I will carry pepper gas and a stout walking stick. When a stray approaches, I'll tell my dog to stay or to sit, and I'll step in front of my dog. In a strong voice, I command the stray dog to go on, get out of here. If the stray ignores this warning and continues to approach me, I will either gas it or strike it with my walking stick. If you have to hit a stray dog, remember one thing, and that is one correction is worth a thousand nagging ones, so hit it hard. If I strike a dog, it's going to be hit very hard. I want this dog to remember me the next time it sees me and I'm on a walk. Trust me, if I hit it hard enough, it's going to go into avoidance the next time it sees me walking my dog down the street. Don't for one minute think that your dog is not taking this all in. You're dramatically showing your dog that you're the leader and you're going to deal with stray dogs. You will find that your dog is less inclined to be aggressive or nervous in situations that used to make him bark or get stressed because it has confidence that you will take care of bad things. If these stray dogs are with stupid owners and the owners get mad at you, tell them that if they have a problem, they can call the police and you'll simply explain that their dog was trying to attack you. If they get really snotty, you can ask them that, if they'd like a little bit of the same, they're welcome to it. But when you do that, you better use the gas and not the stick. Here's an email from a lady that had been bit once before during a dog fight and didn't want to have it happen again. Ed, I find the information on your website very useful. Thank you so much for making it available. I have a four-year-old female golden retriever she spayed. We like to take long walks along the river trail just outside of our town. This area is a no-leash ordinance area as long as you have voice control over your dog. We hiked this trail for several years now without incident, until recently. We encountered a dog without an owner. The dog had a collar and tag. It probably belonged to someone in the area, although there was no one with it. There were a few homes in that area. I immediately put my dog on leash when we saw this stray. We were trying to assess the situation. My dog started growling. The other dog wanted to approach and made several circling attempts. Its head was down and it was staring intently at my dog. Fortunately, 
There happened to be someone walking with me that day who attempted to chase the dog off several times, but it kept coming back and circling to get closer to my dog. I couldn't see whether it was a male or a female. It wasn't growling, but its tail wasn't wagging either. I was very struck by how deliberate and intent this dog was trying to get to my dog, and I was not sure how to interpret this behavior. I don't know how things would have worked out or what I would have done had my friend not been there to help me. I've been in the middle of one dog fight before. My dog was attacked, and I was badly bitten while trying to break up that fight. I'm very nervous now when I meet stray dogs. My dog is usually friendly, but she's the top dog, and she won't hesitate to stand up to a challenge. The river trail is our favorite area. I have no intention of staying away because of one dog. How should I handle this situation in the future? What should I do with my dog? What should I do with the other dog? Most importantly, what should I do with myself? I don't want to make a mistake and make things worse. Someone suggested pepper spray. Another said that that would only anger the dogs and trigger a, an aggressive response. One suggested a sturdy healing stick, and another person suggested a stun gun. Another recommended a police officer's nightstick. I just want to be safe. What would you recommend, Joellen? Well, Joellen, I always assume an approaching dog is going to be aggressive to my dog. I always assume that. That's why I don't go to dog parts. You should go to my website, read the article that I wrote, on dog parts and why they're a bad idea. My dogs expect me to protect them from strange, aggressive dogs. As the pack leader, I would carry pepper gas and a stout walking stick to drive off these stray dogs. You should have verbalized in a strong voice at the same time that your friend was trying to drive off this dog. My dog is trained to not interfere unless I give the okay to enter a fight. I would not allow this to happen unless I was attacked myself. If a fight broke out, I would wail the living daylights out of this stray dog as my dog was fighting it. You will find that your dog gains respect for you when it understands that you're going to stand up and protect it from these strays. Now, let's talk about preventing dog fights before they start. Preventing a dogfight is, is much easier than breaking one up. It's certainly much safer. I'm never surprised when people who have been bit all of a sudden become students of pack behavior and dominant dogs. We at our kennel never, never, never recommend that people with multiple dogs test who's the dominant dog by letting the dogs work it out themselves. That's an invitation to a fight club. Here at our kennel, we have not had a serious dog fight in years. That's because we practice good dog handling. But even then, mistakes can happen. One thing or another can result in two adult dogs getting together that should not be together. When that happens, you need to do the same thing that you do if a fight breaks out. That is, take a deep breath and remain calm. I can't stress this enough. If you have done your job establishing your rank with these dogs, the dogs are going to look at you as a pack leader. Don't forget this, and certainly don't underestimate it. I'll guarantee you that if you lose your cool and start to scream and act stupid, you're going to trigger a dogfight. But if you remain calm and issue them a warning like, hey, knock it off here, in a calm, confident voice, you may avoid a dogfight. Over the years, I've had a couple of situations at my kennel where I went outside and two of my adult males were loose and squared off at one another. I would have bet the bank that they would have fought to the death had they ever got together. But here we were, the two of them standing squared off. By me remaining calm and issuing a calm warning, they backed off. Obviously, they determined that today was not the day for an argument. But with that said, they both respected me as the pack leader. I also know that 
had I gone out there screaming like a banshee before this thing was all settled, there would have been a nasty, nasty dogfight. So, if you have two dogs that you're trying to get to live together, it's best to use dog crates and be prepared to test the water with muzzles and training collars. I wrote an article and did a free podcast on how to introduce a new dog into a home with other dogs. Go and read or listen to that article and podcast because it's going to teach you the steps to go through. This may be a point where I should make mention of the fact that you are always going to be exposed to people who offer advice on how to fix your dog's behavioral problems. Well, the problem is that most people don't have the experience to offer sound advice. That's why there's so much bad training information that's being passed out. Pet owners, like yourself, need to figure out who has the experience to warrant listening to. Now, with that said, maybe I should offer an example of some really bad advice. You may be exposed to people who tell you to roll your dog on its back and hold him down till he submits when he's aggressive. This is called alpha rolling. It's supposed to teach the dog that you're the superior person. The fact is, you will see something like that on Caesar Milan's TV show. I need to tell you that this is a very, very dangerous thing to do. The average pet owner should never try to alpha roll a dog. Not ever. Caesar is very good at pack behavior issues and has a lifetime of experience behind him. You don't. I know of a lady who was told by a club member to alpha roll her dominant adult German Shepherd. When she tried to do this, the dog got pissed and he bit her in the face and the arm. She had over 200 stitches in her face and arms. So my point here is, just be careful of what you do and who you listen to, because fooling around with aggressive dogs is a dangerous job. One last warning here on dog bites. If you or someone you know is bitten by a dog and you have to go to an emergency room, Try and make sure that you're treated by a doctor and not a physician's assistant. The most common treatments for most dog bites is to leave the dog bite wounds open so they can drain. There's a high risk of infection from a dog bite, and stitching wounds closed increases that risk. Now, the exception to that rule is a really bad dog bite or a face bite. My only point is, is that if you have to see someone after a dog bite, I recommend that you see a doctor that has some experience. I'm going to read a couple more emails that I got here that may help impress upon you how dangerous these dog bites can be. Here's the first one. Ed, we have a shepherd whose father is Shandor von Leerberg and the mother is Blitz von Dunhill. She got in a dog fight with an eight-month-old puppy. My husband went up to break it up because they were at the feet of our nine-year-old son. When my husband pulled her off and yelled at her, he was shaking his finger in her face. She snapped at him and bit off the end of his thumb. Yes, we know we did everything wrong and... That's not the dog's fault. Now that this has happened, we have to make a choice that we don't want to make. Greta cannot come back to the house. We really would like to find someone to take her. We have no resources here, and if we can't find someone who wants her, then our choice is to put her to sleep, which we do not want to do. We have never had a problem with her. Like I said, we made all the mistakes. I guess... I would like to know if you know of anyone who can take her. She's very high in drive, has great markings, good nerves. She just turned four on June 23rd. What can I do? Any help is going to be appreciated. Thank you. This email is a perfect example of how dangerous a dogfight can be. Obviously, losing the end of a thumb is no laughing matter. I know a man whose own dog bit off his entire thumb. I don't know if I should call the people that wrote this email irresponsible pet owners 
or undereducated pet owners. Let's just say that this problem was 100% preventable. Had these people controlled how they lived with their dogs, this never would have happened. We here at Learberg would never consider allowing an adult female to be loose with an eight-month-old puppy. This is an invitation to a problem. The sad thing is that these owners' lack of education led to the dog losing its home. And the fact is, many dogs are put to sleep because of stupid handler mistakes. These are not dog mistakes, they're owner mistakes. These dogs could have lived in this home had the owners been willing to get two dog crates and rotate their dogs through the crates. Now, here's another email. Ed, I was hoping maybe you could help me with a few questions regarding our two family dogs. We have a six-year-old female beagle and a three-and-a-half-year-old mixed-breed female who's about 85 pounds. These two dogs have lived together all their lives and have never had any kind of a fighting problem or altercation until yesterday. For no apparent reason, the larger mixed-breed dog attacked the beagle, leaving four large puncture wounds on both sides of her neck. The beagle was treated at the emergency vet and released. She was heavily sedated and slept until this morning. A few hours after waking up, she was viciously attacked again. My husband and I finally pried the larger dog's mouth off of her neck and rushed her to the vet again. This time, she had to stay for a few days because the damage was much worse. My husband and I were both badly bitten during this attack, and I'm afraid to bring the beagle home with the other dog still here. So here's my questions. What would make her turn on the beagle all of a sudden when they'd been great friends for so long? Would having them both spayed possibly prevent this from happening again? Should I worry that this will happen again? Or should I find one of these dogs a new home? Well, here's my comments. This is a perfect example of a pet owner that doesn't understand pack behavior and rank drive. Dogs reach maturity between 16 months and 30 months of age. When that happens, they have to establish their rank within the family pack. There is no question here that this was a rank drive fight. The fact is, inter-female fights are the most vicious fights, and once they've fought, they will always fight. There is no going back to being friends again. These dogs will hate one another forever. The only way that they can be kept together in the same home is to use two dog crates and rotate the dogs through the crates. There are no exceptions to this. You can't reinvent the wheel and make these dogs love one another again. It's simply not going to happen. Now, in regard to neutering, neutering is only effective when dogs are younger than a year, and even then, it always doesn't work. But when you neuter adult female dogs, there's a very good chance that the females will be more aggressive after they've been neutered than before they were neutered. Now, here's another email. My husband is a mobile dog groomer. I dog sit some of our customers' dogs in my home. This is an attractive and enjoyable income. I've been doing it for about four years. The first two years, I had an English Springer Spaniel who couldn't care less about the visiting dogs. When she died, we got a black lab puppy. Her name is Katie. She was socialized right from day one. Now, Katie is over 120 pounds, 26 inches tall, and very strong. She was sent to obedience school at six months and generally listens pretty well. She sleeps in her crate, does not eat off the table, and is not aggressive towards people. We also have four cats and two horses. Katie thinks she's in charge of all the animals. She herds the horses when they don't do what I tell them to do. She chases the cats if she finds them scratching the furniture, but doesn't really bother them if she catches them. She chases them off the bed. Animals are not allowed on the bed. Last Thursday, Katie got in a fight with a golden that I'd been sitting. I was saying good morning to the dogs. There were four of them. The golden tried to push her way into first place. Katie jumped the dog and bit the golden's neck and would not let go. Having no experience in breaking up dog fights, since I never had one before, not to this degree anyway, 
I did the wrong thing and ended up in the trauma center. I almost lost my finger. We tried to form a plan, a threefold plan. First, get Katie spayed. We had wanted to breed her, but she had a false pregnancy. Is it true that spaying dogs makes them less aggressive? Second, we planned to go back to basic training. As most pet owners, we let some things slide, like, Katie, come to the barn. No? Okay, well, stay in. We are no longer going to allow situations where we have to say things three times to make her work. So, back to the basics. She learns fast. Third, I usually walk for a mile or two every day, off-leash, at the state forestry nearby. She listens, and if I see people and tell her, Katie Leash, she comes over and I put her leash on and we pass the people or the animals. If she sees a deer and we say, Katie, no, she listens. However, with it being summer, it's been hard to work her through the heat. I'm wondering if this dog-sitting situation is too much to expect Katie to tolerate. I have about 50 different dogs that come and go at different times. I usually only have four dogs at one time, but have had more during the holiday season. I can keep her separated by gates, but I'm not that foolish to think that a gate's going to hold back a 120-pound dog that wants to get inside the kitchen. I use crates for the dogs and feed all the dogs in the crates. When I had let Katie socialize with the visiting dogs, she always got out and always came in first. She has put dogs down to show her dominance and bit one other dog that went to bite me. But generally, after that, she becomes protective of the visiting dogs, watching that they don't go near the horses, even though the horses are in a paddock. So what do I do? Do I give up dog sitting? Do I ride it out and see how it goes with this three-step plan? Do I keep to a smaller clientele list? Do I get a professional trainer for Katie? My husband wants me to continue dog sitting, but only take small dogs. I think I should do it. What do you think? I'm anxiously awaiting your decision. First, I give you a lot of credit for being so understanding about a dog that's almost bitten off one of your fingers. Katie has already proven that she's a dog fighter. It's not a matter of if she will fight again. It's only a matter of When will it happen? If you don't make some changes in how you live with your dogs, you're going to have more dog fights. Exercise is always going to help a behavioral problem. A tired dog is less likely to get in trouble than a dog that's laying around the house all day. But in Katie's case, this isn't going to make that much of a difference. This is a pack drive, rank drive issue, and getting exercise is not going to change that. Neutering will also accomplish nothing with this dog. In fact, because she's a female, it could make things worse. The size of the dogs that you decide to house-sit for makes no difference. If Katie's allowed to be around these smaller dogs, it's only a matter of time before she finds one that thinks that it's tougher than she is, and then there's going to be another fight. My point here is that Size is not a consideration. I've been training protection dogs since 1974. The worst dog bite I ever had was from my mother's toy poodle. Obedience training is an important part of the solution to this problem, but it's only about 25% of the solution. In other words, she absolutely needs more and better obedience training, but she needs pack and rank training too. I would strongly recommend a training collar, either a prong collar, a dominant dog collar, or a remote collar, and my four-hour DVD on basic dog obedience. With that said, I have to say that every year, hundreds of thousands of dogs go through obedience classes. The vast majority of dominant dogs come out of these classes just as dominant as when they went into the class. The reason for this is the classes don't deal with pack structure. If you ignore pack structure training with dogs like Katie, you will never solve dogfighting problems. You will never solve dominance problems. So, I would strongly recommend the DVD I did titled Dealing with Dominant and Aggressive Dogs because Katie needs that kind of respect. She doesn't respect you right now. If she did, she would never have fought in your presence. So, this is really 
a leadership problem. I recommend that you run this dog through my Groundwork program. I wrote an article titled, The Groundwork to Becoming a Pack Leader. This dog needs that training. You can find the article and a free podcast on my website. Good luck. And finally, my last email. Ed, recently we adopted a long-haired German Shepherd from a German Shepherd rescue. He's around 18 months old. His issues are how I found your website and how I ended up ordering a few DVDs from you. I did want to thank you. Yesterday, I had to break up my first dogfight between two large German Shepherds. I did it alone, and I did it the way you explained in your DVDs. I did not even get a scratch, but boy was I stressed after the fight. I'm a retired RN, and my husband is a retired police officer. We are very impressed with the information that's in your DVDs and on your message board. They are really helping us with our new German Shepherd Rescue Dogs. Thank you, and take care, Debbie. So this brings us to the end of my talk on how to break up dogfights without getting hurt. Just remember what I said. The most important thing about breaking up a dogfight is not getting hurt. In closing, I'd like to point you towards my website, my web discussion board and its 100,000 post archive. Learn to use the site search feature, which is found in the bottom of the menu bar of every page on my website. There's also a link for the site search feature at the top of my message board. There's an ever-growing list of free podcasts on my website. The link to that is found on the menu bar. And don't be afraid to get an appropriate training DVD that applies to your situation. You will also find that I only sell the finest dog training equipment that I can find. It comes from all points of the world. I don't try and compete with pet food warehouses that sell poor quality supplies. If you buy something, it's something that's good enough for us to use here at Learbird. For me, life's too short to sell poor quality products. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.